it's it's a very special day. You may even go so far as to say it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. That's what usually plays at my house in the mornings. And um, it's because it's Tuesday, it's doable discipleship day. How are you? How is everybody? You know what? There's there's lots of people on on our Zoom call right now. I just want to hear from everybody. How are you doing today? Doing good, doing Jason. Great. <laughs> Okay, good. So, so it's it's Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith. Or I'm gonna say, as Katie loves to say, it's the show that helps you grow. Say, it, Katie, it's the show that helps you grow. There we go. That's exciting. Okay, so we've been in this season on listening right now and going through all kind of all these different elements and facets of how listening helps grow. Our relationships helps grow our fellowship with one another. And um, we're really excited to be joined by two uh, amazing guests today, Katie Edwards and Emma Angst, uh, who both serve with our student ministries team here at Saddleback. And today we're going to be looking at listening from a different perspective, from a generational perspective, from a helping helping parents understand kids and kids understand parents and ha having those conversations from people who, who may be family, but they may see things very differently. And so I, I'm really excited to have this conversation because I've got kids and uh, I want to know <laughs> how I can be a better listener as, as they're growing up. Uh, so we're really excited to dive into this today. Uh, so Brandon, why don't you um, start off our conversation with Katie and Emma? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, Katie and Emma, you guys are in working in student ministries and have been for a while. And I'm excited we're get, getting able to talk about listening from a generational perspective, because I think this is really important. You know, you guys are, are in it daily, but a lot of people, we aren't. Um, I don't have kids yet. Um, but we are in relationships that are cross generations, whether that's with parents, whether that's with, you know, bosses or wherever we find ourselves, most likely you are in a cross generational relationship in some way. Um, and I think there's definitely a bit of a cultural divide in the way generations see and process the world, um, especially our younger generations with I mean, literally growing up on the internet, um, that changes the way you see and process the world. So, you know, I'm curious to know, um, have you noticed that generational, maybe tension's the best word for it in your work? Um, and like, where do you think the, the breakdown is? Because, you know, I was saying earlier, like my hunch is it's not just we use like have different language or different slang. It's got to be deeper than that. So have you guys, have you guys noticed that? Yeah, I I mean I think um, there is definitely different lingo and slang, which is probably <laughs> one of the things that's most fun about <laughs> younger generations. But I think the thing that really or, or one of the things that I think leads to that tension is assumption. So I yeah. think um, you know Gen Z feels as if older generations don't understand where they're coming from. And to some degree, that's true. And then mm -hmm. older generations assume um, or believe that, that or, or Gen Z believes that older generations, you know, don't get them. And then older generations believe that the same thing about Gen Z, that they aren't understood or that they don't get it or they don't want their help or that kind of thing. So I think there's just a lot of assumption between generations. Um, and I think one of the things that 
I think is key in that is I really think it's the older generation's responsibility to rise above those assumptions and kind of take the lead um, in, in being the grown up, so to speak, and really working hard to understand the younger generation and not be yeah. too concerned that they aren't understood by the younger ones. So I think that's something that could kind of break through that assumption is that the older generations really took the lead in breaking down that wall. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I mean, to summarize something that Katie was saying, just the, it's a lack of understanding, I think, overall. And I think um, it's also like what we see in media about different generations is all stereotypes of generations. Um, And so I think that's part of it too, is like, um, you know, maybe they, they assume that they know about how Gen Z might act or a Gen Z might assume um, that they know how a baby boomer is or any of that kind of thing. But there's just like, those are a lot of just generalities. And so to really get to know the generations that you are, that are, you know, above or below you is, I mean, crucial to understanding um, how to listen well, how to have, you know, fortify great relationships. Um, It's just crucial. And to encourage like the older generations. So we'll say older, you know, older than college would be older than (laughs) right now. Um, If you're, if you're 23 or up, you're old and you're an older generation (laughs) for everyone to know. But I think there's this assumption that Gen Z doesn't want the wisdom of the older generations, doesn't want relationship with the older generations. And in our experience and in research right now, you know, 75% of Gen Z would say they want older adults in their life, that they trust Mm -hmm. wisdom and influence of older adults in their life, that um, something that battles back loneliness and anxiety and depression is relationship with older adults in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that's family and inside the home or a leader or a coach or a teacher or a mentor outside the home, that's something that Gen Z desires and maybe something that our older generation thinks that they don't. And they, you know, that's really good. I think another assumption we see pretty consistently is um, the assumption by the older generation that the younger generation are like closed off, you know, and, and that they, you know, I think aren't open with their emotions or, or they're just shutting them out of their lives. And that's actually complete opposite of the younger generation. Gen Z is like one of, is known to be one of the more open generations. I think it's just, um, I think it's just asking the right questions and establishing the trust. But I think that's another assumption we see sometimes with the older generation is like, they don't want me to know about these parts of their lives or they don't want me to ask these kind of questions. And that's not the case either. Yeah, that's, I, I think, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's so in, insightful is that it's, it's kind of that idea of asking the right questions and picking up on things that maybe being dropped or laid down, but you may not recognize it. So what are some like a nonverbal cues that the, maybe the older generation, yes, I'm, yeah, I, I'm included in that. Probably everyone who's listening is included in that, except for a couple, we do have some students who, who do listen and they write us in. So thank you yeah. for listening. Uh, <laughs> but um, so, so what are some, some good signs, some nonverbal cues that we should be looking for that somebody may be wanting to talk or wanting to share, but they may not be open quite yet kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, younger generations, I think most of the nonverbal cues um, exist in the digital space. And so that's just like a really key space to pay attention to. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, what, what a student is posting on social media, you can learn so much from a picture yeah. and a caption of things that are going on. So if you see, you know, if, if Em and I were to see, um, you know, one of our, a female student post a picture where it's clearly looking like she's needing some affirmation, right? She's mm -hmm. needing someone to tell her she looks good or, you know, those are cues of to check in and, Hey, how are you? I see you. I saw this, mm -hmm. you know, so even just from like a picture that a, that a younger um, student might post, or um, I think you can learn a lot from those things. And I think the digital yeah. space, a lot of times where those nonverbal cues get communicated and they communicate a lot in that space. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to pay attention to. It's like um, the definition of a picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> they're literally speaking through their pictures. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you see a, you see someone post something about, you know, a prayer request or, something that they're feeling, they'll share emotions bravely and boldly in the digital space. And so yeah. I think that's one place for us to pay attention to as parents and as leaders or generations wanting to connect with young people. Yeah, I like to think of all of those things as little open doors. Anytime I see something that one of my small group girls posts on her story, if it's a repost of a quote or something like that, um, you know, it's it's an open door to to communication to hearing where they're at and so I like to treat it that way um, and sometimes I'll say hey what's going on and they're like nothing I just like the quote and sometimes they'll be like oh this you know and so it, it but it's it's an open door for us to engage for sure I think too just you know in the digital space we do a ton there I mean obviously younger generation loves texting and you know outside of like posting and social media and there's there are long text conversations that are full of cues and questions to mm -hmm. ask paying attention to just the little things that you see um, again in that digital space obviously when we are in person with someone from a younger generation there's cues to pick up on with body language eye contact um, you know all of those things but I would say we probably in this this time especially with Gen Z who are digital natives you know that that piece is really where we see there's just a wealth of questions to be asked if you pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, I, I love that. That's really good. I think something that just popped in my head as you guys are speaking, you know, there are, I think like basic human needs that transcend generations. However, I think those generations ask for those needs in different ways. Um, Absolutely. You know, I remember, I, so I'm 31, a millennial, uh, but I remember being in, I think I might've been in college and there was an older guy. It was, he was like mocking millennials and saying like, you know, millennials just want authenticity. But his point was like, who doesn't want authenticity? Who doesn't <laughs> want vulnerability? Like who doesn't want to be heard in these ways? Um, but it was actually pretty eye-opening for me hearing him. He was joking, but hearing him say that it, it opened my eyes to like, yeah, you're, there is a miss somewhere, but you're absolutely right. Like we all want that. We all desire that. Um, so curious for you guys, is there any maybe like methods or ways of thinking that help you translate between generations? Cause I, that's how I kind of see you guys are like cultural generational translators. Like you have foots in different- I think we should change the titles for the staff and just, and, and we should name them translators, cross-cultural or cross-generational translators. That's great. 
I'll put that on my business card for sure. So that sounds great to me. <laughs> over translator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, it's awesome. Advice. But it's, there's something there that I think we're asking for similar things. We're just not using the same language. We're asking for it in different ways. So is there anything helpful that you guys have found that can help translate that? Or is it just like, you got to spend a ton of time? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I mean, I think, I think first and foremost, like there's so many great resources of like things that you can even read just to understand a little bit better. Like, I mean, Barna resources are great for generation. And I think we wouldn't be able to even translate if we didn't know those things, you know? So we spend a lot of time in the student ministries here um, studying different generations and how we can best meet them where they're at. And I think you're right, Brandon. I think there's these consistent things throughout every generation um, and one of those things I think um, that feels really um, relevant for our students now, and I'm a millennial, I, f- I feel this as well, is just is being seen, you know, being being known. And I think what we want to be known about or how we want to be known, right, is different. I think for um, for Gen Z, the younger generation, I think a lot of it is an emotion. They want to be seen in their emotions. And so I think it's all about how we can craft questions and our dialogue can come back to how they're feeling and their emotions and things that that feels very personal and, and if they feel loved by being able to dialogue about those things. And so for me, it comes back to emotion a lot um, with our younger generation and figuring out, like, I think for as a millennial, I might feel more known by people talking about my passions because that's a big thing for millennials, you know, like we're driven by our passion to do stuff. And so that's, that's something, that's how I feel known and loved by people Mm -hmm. talking to me about that, about what I'm, you know, striving after and how I feel fulfilled and things like that. But for our younger generation, it's not as much that they, they definitely have dreams. They want to talk about their dreams, but it's the emotion attached to all the different things of their life. And, and that's what it looks like. I think, um, to help translate, to use that, you know, phrase, it's emotion for them, where it might be passion for millennials, it might be something, you know, I forget for the the next one, there's something for everyone, but I think emotion (laughs) is the key. I think it's like um, popping up above all the generations, you sitting in your chair, thinking about, thinking about the person sitting in the, the chair across from you. So whether that is the generation below you or above you, you know, just the practice of, I think this is, this is something I've been just trying to practice lately of like, what is their world, you know, or who's in the room? What are their questions? Where are they coming from? I think just having, you know, whoever's directly sitting across, how do you get in their shoes before, Mm -hmm. you know, before you listen to what they have to say? And I think that that's, that is like a big generational piece because, how they sit in the chair and what's important important and meaningful to them, you know, it's good to think that through, but I think the questions are pretty general, right? We would ask this, the, that question of what's your world as a Gen Z student or, you know, someone who's, you know, in their 60s, I want to sit across from them and think, what's your world? You know, like, mm-hmm. where are you coming from? Um, mm-hmm. What are the things that are important to you? And I realize all these questions start with W, which feels very saddleback. <laughs> no, but I, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I think that's what pops us up is, is that willingness as an individual then to, to really focus on who's sitting across from you generationally and like asking those questions. It sounds too like there needs to be kind of an acknowledgement that 
you may need to step into something that is not necessarily comfortable for you, right? So like yeah. what you were saying, Emma, about, about um, Gen Z uh, being more emotional based and having kind of those needs seen is, is mm -hmm. understanding my emotion, recognizing that there are older generations that that was like something to avoid <laughs> is, mm -hmm. is, you know, they're like, you know, I don't have emotions. What are you talking about? <laughs> kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And even talking about passions in some other generations, there's, you know, it was kind of a thing like, that's not something you talk about is you don't need to, you know, don't talk about your big grand desires. You just mm -hmm. are, you know, you are what you are, you're stuck with what you're stuck with, you know, kind of thing. And so it seems like there needs to be uh, some acknowledgement that, okay, I, I, I may, if I'm speaking or listening cross and generationally, there needs to be an acknowledgement that it may not be fully comfortable for me. It may not be something yeah. that, that, that was a big thing for me, but hopefully it seems like out of it too, is there could come the realization that, okay, I, okay. Maybe that is something I need to care a little bit more about or think more about, you know, maybe I do have emotional health that I need to think about. Um, <laughs> But so how have you seen, I'm just curious, how have you seen that play out in your relationships with students and talking through and, and, and how have you heard it come out of them? Uh, I'll start, start with you, Katie, but have you seen this reality play out? Just the reality of... of... Acknowledging that there's uncomfortableness and realizing that the needs or the expressed needs are different. There's yeah. still base needs that are there, even if they're not expressed, but but that a different generation has, is more expressive in certain needs than other generations. Yeah, I just think the older you get, the more feel the more fearful you get and the more unsure of yourself with that you are with younger generations. And mm. so a lot of times it's that fear that holds us back from really engaging in things that we don't know or we're unsure about. And there are things in Gen Z, there are ways that they've grown up that I cannot identify with. Like I do not understand as an older generation because it's not, I, I, I grew up in a different time in a different world, but I don't want to let that hold me back from engaging, from mm -hmm. trying, from, you know, and so like I said before, I think it's our responsibility as older generations to take that uncomfortable posture in order to move to, to bridge the gaps between the generations. We can't have that expectation of a younger person for them to make us feel better about who we are. Mm -hmm. We have to take on that responsibility in those conversations about, I'm gonna come to you, get into your world, and I'm gonna ask a lot of questions and try to understand. And I really wanna come from a posture of empathy um, but as an adult, you know, as someone who's in an older generation, a lot of times that makes us feel insecure when we don't feel like we know everything, you know, we know more than the person sitting across from us. And so a lot of yeah. times we don't engage in those places because we're too scared to look stupid or ask a dumb question or feel insecure or, you know, the way a teenager looks at you sometimes they can give you a look that makes you feel unsure about your entire existence. You know? <laughs> That's a scary place to enter into where you're like, okay, I'm going to sit across from you. And I am, yes, I'm me and you're you, you know? Um, but I think again, that's, that's where the older generations really need to take the, the lead in, in wading through that uncomfortableness to meet them on the other side. Yeah, that's good. I, I feel like 
to their needs, or I, I, sh I should say, um, there's an opportunity for the older generational person who is taking that that lead to also approach with the humility of saying, there might be something that I need to learn about myself mm. out of listening to this person too, right? So sticking Emma with the same thing of uh, what you were talking about with the emotional aspect, mm -hmm. right? Is it, there's an opportunity for somebody to say like, wow, like I don't, I don't understand this need to, for, for this emotional, you know, uh, mm -hmm. outpour understanding, you know, like, you know, I wish you just got me. I, I, I had the, all these feelings. Why don't you get that? And, but there's an opportunity then to say, okay, I, 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 I'm a person just like you are. So maybe there's something about my own emotional health that I need to, you know, come to terms with or start to reckon with or start to understand too. Is, is that something that you've seen as you've talked with parents of students? Have they started saying like, hey, I, there's things I, I'm I, that maybe I need to get better at or, or too. <laughs> Emma, is that something you've seen? Um, I And it's okay if it's I, no, and then we have this whole indictment on parents right now. That we <laughs> yeah, I would say they're trying. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily there. I, like um, I think they're just, they're trying to understand. I think it takes understanding first, and then the next step is I can learn from this, you know? And so I think the understanding part takes a lot longer, you know, of really understanding yeah. where their student is. And, um, and so I think, I think, uh, I think students, I mean, parents probably have the best intention to, you know, learn from their kids, but I think they're learning in real time, you know, about their kids. And so I think it's like, that's the second step is them being like, oh, there's good stuff for me in this too. Like, oh, like emotional awareness or how we discuss our feelings at the dinner table. Like this is really healthy and positive for me too. Um, but I think in real time, they're understanding their own, you know, younger generations of kids. And so I think that's always the second step. Um, and I just think to speak to like the like insecurity aspect of talking with different generations, I think, um, it doesn't matter if you're like two years older, four years older, 10 years older, 15 years older, like you just, it just happens, you know, in those moments when you don't understand, like there's insecurity there. And I think like, if I could give one encouragement for anybody listening to this podcast, it's that interconnectedness is so much um, more rich and is so much more worth those moments of insecurity. You know, like it's when we fight through those conversations of the inner battle that we have of insecurity, as the older generation to lead to interconnectedness with the younger generation, it's so worth it. And so I think like, don't be deterred by that, you know, don't be deterred by those little moments where you have like some insecurity kind of, you know, bubbling up inside of your soul and it happens. Um, but like interconnectedness is people like that's what we need more of in this world, no matter what. And so intergenerationally, we need that. And that's through understanding one another. That's so I, I love that word interconnectedness. I think that is spot on. I, it just popped in my head. I think that's definitely something we have to fight for, right? Because I'm thinking when I was growing up, I think when, we got, when I got to high school, MySpace was a thing or it started to become a thing. Um, mm -hmm. But even as I was growing up, like I was looking ahead to the generation ahead of me. I was like, I just want to do whatever they're doing. They're my, like, I'm so influenced. I had an older sister. So I was like, I'm so influenced. Like, I want to 
look like them. I want to talk like them. I want to be like them. I didn't really have any other like peer influencers, so to speak, where I'm like, I want to look like that kid. It's like, no, I want to look like the, the guy that's in college. Like he's, he's so cool. Um, and so on and so forth. But I think now with social media, it's a lot more insular between mm -hmm. generations. Cause you, I don't, you have a lot of, you have people who are literally influencing you that are your age, that go to your school, that are, you're around um, much more than I think generations have in the past. Um, so I think that's such a great point of getting, going through that insecurity to fight for the interconnectedness. Cause that's, I, I love that. That's, that's where the richness is. Um, mm -hmm. Curious to know as well. Uh, so like we've been talking about listening, but listening for conversation for dialogue, which then will lead to relational growth. Um, so in those conversations, you know, how do you ensure that you're hearing what the other person is trying to communicate? Because um, I think there's tons of really good intentions of like, I, I want to hear, but like, how do you ensure like, no, this is what I'm saying, or I'm hearing you say this, or is there anything like that can be helpful for us and for those listening? Yeah, I think, I mean, Katie and I just, we just both read um, a book that was great um, about listening well. So really simple title, you know, you're going to get, um, and it's by um, William R. Miller. And he talks about two types of listening. Um, one is empathic listening and the other one is reflective listening. And empathic listening is all about um, understanding someone's inner experience. And that's kind of what we've been talking about so far is understanding someone's personal experience. You know, Katie talking about what is it like to sit in their seat in their world. That's, that's what that is. That's empathic listening. And then reflective listening is a process of checking if you're understanding. And I think this is the key. <laughs> I think this is something that uh, we as society don't do super often, um, where we're just checking to see if we understand um, what they're meaning to say. It's not checking to understand if we've got the to-do list right, if we've got a task, you know, dialed in, whatever those things it might look like um, in like a workplace. It's like checking to understand if you if you really understand someone and just asking those reflective questions. Um, and I think that helps, I mean, younger generations feel heard and also shows that um, ultimately we want to know. We want to know and understand them. We want to understand the inside and the outside of their worlds. And by us asking these reflective questions, it's how we're seeking that understanding. And also in humility, acknowledging, I might be missing this, you know, I might be missing what you're trying to communicate to me. And I don't want to, I want to know. And so that's kind of like the two categories I feel like I learned from that book, but also just feels really relevant to this conversation. Just setting up the space to listen isn't a really important thing for just being intentional with wanting with wanting to listen. So I think we use some tools that I think help set up for what Emma's talking about. So we would use fun as a tool that you wouldn't necessarily think having fun together leads to great listening. But sometimes when you take the pressure off having a conversation and you just set the scene for conversation to happen, yeah. that's something that we find is really important. A lot of people think fun stuff is shallow, but honestly, some of my deepest conversations have come yeah. from shooting hoops with a student or, you know, the Frisbee back and forth or playing cards or, mm -hmm. um, or even just, you know, riding in a car to, to get yogurt or something. And so I think 
setting up the space or the scene for listening to take place. I think taking pressure off of it having to be the conversation and just making yeah. sure that the conversation you're having is always setting you up for your next one. So, you know, having a relaxed space, a space where you can be fully present, a space without distraction, a space where you're doing something together. I think those things set a scene or set the mm-hmm. set a tone for a great conversation and listening to take place. And then for us, you know, with younger generations, again, it's, it's, I want to have a conversation that, that continues to set us up for the next one and not thinking that this is our only conversation about what you're going through or what's happening or what I'm hearing. So Mm -hmm. I think how you leave that space too, and set it up for what's to come is, is an important piece of the puzzle. So what's happening around and then what's happening inside the conversation, I think are really important. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It sounds it sounds like it's a good reminder that the conversation itself is not the end goal. It's what comes out of the conversation and, and which is the relationship. And as that continues to grow, that will lead to hopefully more conversations. So, you know, if you walk into it, just saying, okay, I'm going to have this conversation (laughs) and then, okay, I've achieved the conversation. It's done. Like, you know, you know, it, it may just put this kind of box around that and it, it may not spur really what we're talking about, which is, which is more intimacy, which is, which is be, being closer, the interconnectedness, but we were just talking about before, um, which is taking the conversation, but then also I think about all of the next parts of that relationship. It's, it, it, it's the going deeper. It's the, it's the keep the conversation going element of it, right? It's, it's I, I think, and again, I, I could be I could be off, but it sounds like that's kind of what we're talking about at the heart of all this is a listening, not just for the sake of the conversation, but listening for relationship sake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we talked about a bunch of, of different great kind of ideas, advice, input, into all these different stuff. I, I'm, I'm curious um, if you could share just a little bit about how you've seen these things play out in your own lives. Um, Emma, I'll start with you, but kind of like, like, is there an example or something like that that you could give us of a time where you've had to use some of these tools and, 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 and how did you see the fruit bear out of that? Yeah, that's good. Um, I think, I think you hit on something that's really good and something that in, in my life is definitely like a practice of mine is, um, before I go into a conversation, like if I make, make plans with one of my life group girls, one of my small group girls, um, like what is my intent? You know, what is my intent in that, in that conversation? And, um, like nine times out of 10, it's to understand, um, where they're at in their life. And obviously there's a lot of other things that are in, involved in that, like encouragement and pointing them to Jesus. Cause you know, I am a youth pastor, but, um, it's really to understand where they are. And I think practically in my life, like, um, I love walking around the RSM Lake, um, with my small group girls. Um, cause you're, you know, shoulder to shoulder, you're not sitting straight across. And I think that takes some pressure off. Um, we're just casually walking around, usually sipping on a Starbucks and, um, you know, just asking 
like open-ended questions for me. And then they just talk, you know, if you are just seeking to understand and are um, asking for reflective, you know, reflection, um, re reflective questions as they go, um, they, they just talk and, and they feel heard and known and seen. And I'll usually just ask and start with a que simple question of, you know, how's, how has your week been and how are you feeling? And, you know, typically those two open-ended questions, you know, like seamlessly, you know, end up being an hour long walk around RSM Lake of me just listening and them feeling heard. And so um, definitely asking like, how does that make you feel? Or tell me about your process with that. And just, you know, I'm more so just letting them express themselves. And um, that's just practically kind of what it looks like. But yeah, if you want to, um, if your students like to walk around the RSM Lake with a Starbucks, I mm -hmm. recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that, that in the act of understanding better, you said that you're nine times out of 10, your intent is to understand. Mm -hmm. Would you say that in reality, what kind of comes to that is that you're able to love them better in that they yeah. experience that love better? Yeah. More? Yeah. I, I think those things are really like synonymous for mm -hmm. um, this younger generation is being understood is being loved. And so I think that that's a big deal. And also it helps me understand how to love them better too. If I'm seeking to understand you know, they're giving me hints, the whole conversation about, oh, they feel loved when, or they, they felt loved when I sent them that text last week that reminded them that I was praying for them or that I heard them in group and, and I've been thinking about them or dropped something off at their house that, you know, I knew that they loved. Like, it's all me understanding them, which also helps me learn how to love them better too. So yeah. I think it's synonymous. And at the same yeah. time, understanding leads to better ways to love them too. That's cool. That's cool. How about you, Katie? Is there an example or something that comes to mind of just how you're able to apply this and live this out in your life? Well, I'm a parent of three Gen Z kids, so <laughs> I have it happening in my own home, So, um, which really works in my favor as a youth pastor. So neither audience knows I'm just mine, you know, doing it in both places. But um, I think for me, the going into a conversation like that, tell me about those three words are, are my favorite three words. Tell me about, hmm. um, and I usually go into a conversation with that first, tell me about in my mind of what that's going to be. Um, cause I think it's just a question that for me unlocks really anyone. Hey, tell me about what you did today or tell me about your family or tell me about you know something specific that I think will just launch our conversation and I love starting a conversation with uh, my first question is all about you I'm totally focused on you when I say tell me about so I think as a parent of you know a high school student and as a youth pastor I think tell me about is huge and like like Emma said you know again the setting around that so you know I have a, a student in my small group last week we're eating snacks sitting you know kind of side by side and I just said hey tell me about you know what's happening how, how are your parents doing and tears immediately she just broke mm. down immediately and I had no idea anything was going on she just said my parents are struggling and this is happening and and just went into tell me about just launched her into all of these you know pieces of her story that you know was fresh and new but you know that I didn't know so I just think that's huge and then I think the second piece is before I launch in with anything I usually try to ask for permission to give feedback so mm -hmm. Hey, do you good. tell 
me to listen? Or are you open to me giving you like a little something to think about? Or so any, any question that kind of is, is asking for permission to speak mm. into, I think that's an important thing with like the younger generations. I, honestly, probably with all the generations, just older ones might not <laughs> say it to your face. Like, I don't want to know, <laughs> you know, um, but I think that that's just like a key piece and something I'm trying to really practice these days is ask for permission to give feedback, you know, and even if it's heartfelt and you know, it's the best advice you could ever give any human on the earth. I think just, just getting that green light and, or waiting for them to say, you know what, can you just listen right now? And yeah, I totally can. And then you can circle back with feedback in an, in another conversation, you know, save it for Mm -hmm. later, you get to give it, but just, yeah waiting for permission. That's a great piece of advice because if you jump right in with feedback or advice, then it can sometimes um, put the other person just on the defensive and also just feel like, okay, all this person wants to do is try to fix me. Yeah. I thought I had a friend who I could just lean on their yeah. shoulder or, or, you know, speak open to, but now it just seems like I'm a project <laughs> and that's not... Mm-hmm that's not what I had going on here <laughs> or, or what I wanted to go on. Yeah. That's great. Asking for permission, asking what type of conversation do you want to have asking like, I want to be what you need me to be in this moment for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm open to whatever, if you just want an ear, I can be an ear. If you want a heart, I can be, a heart, you know, kind of thing like that. That's, that's great. Um, I wanted to ask, is there, um, is it wise for somebody to try to be the cool dad or the cool mom? Should I start a TikTok account and try to be cool? Uh, Would that no. help? <laughs> okay, good. Well, That's the I, answer I wanted. <laughs> depends what, it depends how you define cool, I guess. <laughs> I think authenticity. So if authenticity yeah. as a human want to start a TikTok because it's the real you, then I think- yeah. It's not the real me. Okay. <laughs> so start a TikTok if you're like, this is, I mean, I have to do this to be true to myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Don't necessarily try to jump into something because you think it would make you cooler yeah, if it's lightly. not at all who you are. Okay, tread so all parents lightly. listening, that's good advice. That's good yeah. advice. <laughs> you're not cool. If you're a parent, you're not cool. It's okay. Yeah. Just be like, I'm not cool to my kid. My parents were not cool to me. And so <laughs> like, again, getting in their head, remember who your parents were to you. They were not cool and you are not cool. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like care that. at all that like, my parents yeah. were cool. It was fine. You know, like we, they were my parents. I love them. They were authentically themselves and that's what I loved about them. And I didn't care at all that they weren't cool or were cool, like at all. I never thought about that. So I think, I think sometimes that's something for sure. That's, I feel like really relevant for parents now. I don't know if we were to ask like my parents, if they even thought about wanting to be cool. Like, I just think it's very relevant for now, but just like release it. You don't need that pressure (laughs) to be cool. (laughs) Because you cannot, you can't, you aren't. It's unachievable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stay in your lane, be the parent. That's what they need you to do. They need to have other people that are cool in their lives. They need you to be you, authentically. Mm -hmm. It just makes me think of Amy Poehler's character from Mean Girls. I'm the cool mom. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that that didn't look That didn't go well. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, that's, I, I, I love that. You know, 
we usually end on a doable, but I think sometimes we end on a doable. But this time, it's a do not. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> this is your, or your do not. Release the pressure. Do not feel the pressure to be cool. Um, that's that's hilarious. But hey, no, seriously, thank you guys for joining us for this episode. Um, I was excited to have you guys on because you always give us great wisdom and great insight. And I, I, this is an episode in particular, I think will go out and bless a lot of people. So seriously, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, Brandon, can I just say one last thing? Yeah, sure. To end the generation. I just, it's really important to understand that your generation is not your identity. Mm. Mm-hmm. I just, since we're doing so much generational talk, just like reiterating that you know, I, I'm a child of God and my generation is Gen X, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. those, the the things that are about Gen Z or millennial, like those, those things are not our identity. And I think with generational talk, it could be easy to think that's who they are. And I I just, that that distinction's a really important one I think in that, in this conversation. So no, that's, that's That's very important. That's great. Way to wrap it up, Pastor Katie. There it is. You've heard it. You've heard it right there. Your generation is not your identity. And that's that we would do very well to keep that in mind. Hey, you guys, listen, I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, we love you. We will be back with you shortly. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week